0: For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom ready to give up. Get ready because it's going to get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Random by the Fail Coach. I have another interesting guest here with me for another interview. Uh, please welcome Kelly Bradley. Uh, Kelly, welcome to the show. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. And would you mind introducing yourself a little bit to the audience first? Sure.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I, my name is Kelly Bradley, and I am the founder of The Devoted Daughter. And you might be wondering, what is The Devoted Daughter? (laughs) The Devoted Daughter is a resource for families and folks who are dealing with an aging parent, maybe a spouse, a family member. You know, we think everything is fine until it's not. And the number one thing that I see people do is they wait too long to get help. And so I founded The Devoted Daughter as a resource for those people to try to help them get ahead of that wave.
1: That's really, really nice. Um, How how did you come up with this idea, Kelly?
0: So I was, my mom was really sick. Um, In my 30s, she was diagnosed with diabetes. And from there, that chronic, horrible disease, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And it really made me face reality and her healthcare crisis. So we as a family banded together to help her and to advocate for her. And along that journey, and I know we're gonna talk about this more, but I I got involved in running an in-home care agency. And I just felt like it was a franchise environment. So I was limited to the people that I could serve and help. And I was doing just in-home care. So hiring caregivers to be placed in homes And I felt like there was so much more to it that people needed, families needed to know more. And since I'd been through it personally, actually with my mom, my dad, and my gram, I just, you know, I knew. I I kept finding myself getting involved in a lot more than just the in-home care portion of it. So that's where the Devoted Daughter, the idea came from was just being able to serve people on on a bigger scale and a more complete scale.
1: Perfect. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just asked you because I'm always, always eager to learn um, how people come up with the ideas. And and I guess yours came from kind of two spots. Uh, One was your personal experience. And the second one was by dealing with that same audience in, in, in a little bit different environment, but hearing about what they would need alongside with what you were already offering.
0: Absolutely, and you know, it's interesting because people who would call for services, for in-home care services, these weren't the people that needed the help. Typically, it was the oldest daughter in the family, that's shifting a little bit. So it was the sons and the daughters who were calling for the help. They were the ones saying, gosh, we've got to find a solution to this problem.
1: Well, I mean, it's like, I can't imagine uh, my mom, for example, I still have my mom alive, calling for that. I mean, it, I, it's kind of like, it seems only normal that I would take care of all of that and, and not let her mm-hmm. um, do do that. I mean, uh, yeah. But okay, um, we'll, we'll come to this part uh, later. Um, you have a very interesting journey, and so when we had our little meet and greet, um, I was really, really uh, interested in in everything that you went through from uh, from uh, corporate to uh, franchise to entrepreneur. And so, can we start with that uh, in the beginning and you walk us through a little bit how you went from one role to another? the pluses the minuses and i'll just jump in with some additional questions as we go along
0: sure that sounds great so out of college i i started with a just kind of a regular nine to five job and it was the first time that i i remember thinking to myself i've never actually been inside from eight to five every day you know i'd been used to doing other things and um as I got more involved, I took a sales position in telecom and I stayed with that company for 20 years and evolved and grew through the ranks during that time. And, you know, that was 30 plus years ago. So it was a different time and place then. But it was inter- it was an interesting experience because the company that I worked for, it was called MCI Telecommunications. And um We used to jokingly say many changes instantly because at that time in corporate America, it was like, okay, well, we'll reevaluate when our year end comes up. And at MCI, we didn't wait for that. It was like, this isn't working. We need to make a shift. So it was a fun dynamic, kind of an entrepreneurial environment under a corporate umbrella, if you will.
1: That's interesting. That's not something you see very often
0: no, you really don't. And I think that that's kind of what started the, you know, the spirit of the entrepreneur in me. I was like, well, it, this makes sense. Why should we wait for an entire year to pass before we make a change when we already know this is tested and it's not, it's not working. Right. So, um, after that experience, I went to work for another small telecom company. Um, in a management capacity, and that company ended up going filing for bankruptcy. So that was another whole eye opener. I was like, wow, <laughs> I'd like to have a little more control of my journey here and not but,
1: just. Be- um, sorry, but you say that you were in a management uh, position. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But was it a, a lower middle management or something like that? Or were you like close to the C level?
0: No, a lower kind of—I would say a mid-level, um, but we, okay. we were a much smaller company, so okay. Um, okay. you know, next to the C level, but really responsibility-wise, I'd say
1: mid-level. Okay, okay, okay.
0: Um, I was responsible for the sales force across the country, but we were a small organization, and um, when they filed for bankruptcy, it just—it was an eye opener for me because I, I thought. Geez, I I like I just said I w- I want to have a little more control over my destiny. And at that same time, my mom was really getting sicker and sicker and the chronic part of the illness started to just weave into other things. You know, it was no longer just diabetes. Now it was kidney failure and heart disease and cancer. So her situation was becoming more and more complex, and that's really what sparked my interest in the in-home care arena.
1: Oh, so basically already this first jump into a franchise that that follows uh, was already sparked by your personal experience with your mom.
0: It was, yeah. And we were out one day, um, we were at a, actually she was at chemo and we had this little routine that we did she was using a walker just because she was so weak and i would give her like a bear hug and i'm like okay mom one two three up here we go we just sort of reorganized and we were on our way and this man was sitting next to her and he just looked at me and he said i just i wish i had somebody like you to help me and it just made me think about how many how many people are out there that don't have kids that either are willing or able to help them and and how could I make a difference? I was already doing it for my mom, so I started researching franchise opportunities because I just didn't. There, in healthcare, there are a lot of rules and regulations and forms and paperwork, and I knew that my skill set really lied in the relationship piece of it and working with people, and not, not on the back end of it. But the back end is so important in in many businesses, but especially healthcare. It's like, if it's not documented, it wasn't done.
1: Yeah. In healthcare also, you have a lot of regulations and, uh, also the, the whole responsibility for other human beings. And, and, um, it, it can easily turn into a lawsuit if everything is not done properly. So it's quite a challenging industry, uh, I guess.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a lot of responsibility and, you know, weighs heavy on your heart too, because, you know, we're not filling shelves in a retail store. If something goes wrong, you, you know, you've got someone's life in your hand. But I really felt strongly that it was an area where I could make a difference and um, start to build a business for myself and have some control and some input into that. So I went down the franchise route and that was a pretty, that was an eye opener as well. Um, the, The company that I went with, was similar to MCI. And I think that's what attracted me to them in that they weren't, you know, something needed to change. They were open to new ideas and open to input. And with senior care and healthcare in particular, things do change all the time. And that's kind of what keeps it interesting and exciting too, is there, there's always something new to learn. And there's always a new drug or a new study or a new way to do something. So they were really open to that piece of it, which was intriguing to me. And as I started to get involved, I just realized that at the end of the day, it was great to have the franchise umbrella, the support, the brand, and all that good stuff. But it was really it's my business. and I'm the one it's my neck on the line. So I could go to them for support and advice. but at the end of the day, I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, okay, I've taken responsibility for this. I know exactly what's going on. And you know, you've got all of a sudden you go from, working for another company where you have things that you kind of take for granted. It's like, Oh, I have an HR team. Oh, I have a payroll, you know, department. Oh, you know, those things that you just don't think about and, you know, enter into an organization with 150 employees. And it's like, wow, I've got it. You know, these are things I need to learn. In addition to that overarching regulation component of just running a company like that.
1: So, Uh, If I understand correctly, your main reason for looking for a franchise was to tap into a proven system, a system that was already laid out, prepared with uh, all the paperwork and everything done that you can just step in and start running very quickly. Correct. Okay. And uh, were there many options for you to choose from? it comes to franchising in this particular industry or uh just a few on the market
0: no there were quite a few and um i I think the the one i selected was i selected them because of the reasons i just spoke of them the flexibility the you know looking at things from a different angle also um, we had territories so the territory that I had that I was able to purchase was significantly larger than the competitors.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Even even today, you know, one of the territories that I owned, one of the competitors, they have four territories just within that one umbrella.
1: Okay, okay. Um, One question What was your due diligence process while you were? Um, choosing and selecting and and even like finding them in the first place and then um, how were you gathering information Um, how how did that due diligence go
0: so this was 12 years ago so when I was in that part of the process so it just information wasn't as readily available as it is today but one of the things that was really important to me was to actually go meet with the companies. So I, I actually went and met with the CEO and sat down with him and started to learn about their process, understand how they were franchising, what support they were offering, what their strategic vision was. And I met with them three or four times in person before I actually made the decision. And that I think was a, and I met with a couple others as well. And the personalities and just the commitment of the team was that, that really sold me. And it's okay. interesting because a, a couple of, I think four of those people, those key management met team members, are actually still with the franchise today, which I think is okay. a lot.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, um, such a long term loyalty to one company in today's world, where people migrate from a job to job much faster, um, yeah, I guess it does mean something um so can you walk us through a little bit of that early stage uh of you being the franchisee
0: so as you just said, you know the reason. I, I selected a franchise in the first place was to be able to tap into those resources. So my, <laughs> I, I thought that that's what I was gonna be able to do, that all the paperwork would be laid out and I'd just be able to get in there, start to learn and put structure and organization in place and start selling. And that wasn't the case. There were, because each state has different rules and regulations, the franchise was not was unfamiliar with what had to happen in my state. So I had to go through a licensing process, which I knew before I, I purchased it. But their side of the story was, well, you're only gonna need five or six clients before you're actually seeing a profit. And that that was not the case. And it took months to actually get licensed. So the state unfortunately requires that you present your materials to them they don't have it there aren't any forms or any cookie cutter cutter templates where they can say okay you know just do it like this this these are the rules just follow them now that's been improved over time but when i first started it was very difficult it was also um you know as employee rights in the state that i live in have increase there was a lot of learning around that you know how do you interview how do you treat your employees how do you categorize them how do you communicate with them and in in in-home care specifically there's a tremendous amount of turnover so that learning episode that, that piece of it was was huge for me then you have the client side of it you know so you've got all these employees that you have to train and nurture and make sure that they can, they have the skills and the ethics to do what you need them to do, because you're putting, you're taking someone and putting them in someone's private home, so just getting out in the field and realizing what folks are dealing with and understanding where the line is for a provider like myself, it's like, wow, you know, we aren't we aren't really capable of doing that because that crosses over this line in terms of medications. You know, how do you integrate nursing into it? I mean, I'm not a doctor or a nurse. I had a lot of just street smarts because of what I've been through with my own family. But, um, and thankfully I had that because I, I think it would have been a disaster had I not had that background to fall back on.
1: Interesting. I mean, um, you know um, you would think that, um, the franchise owner would would provide you like for example, with all the knowledge that you need for the h r process and 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 everything in the h r process and also you know telling you about what uh, what challenges are lying there ahead of you and uh, i mean you weren 't their first uh franchisee, so they probably uh, had the same thing happen to others
0: well and i think part of it was you know i they were a younger company so they'd only been doing this for like three years when i started so okay. because the rules are different in every state you know for example in some states all all you can do is just drive someone to the grocery store and help them with meals and clean their house. In the state I live in, we can manage medications, we have RNs on on staff, you can bathe people, you can help them with Hoyer lifts and transfers and all kinds of sort of complex medical tasks. And I think that that's where the disconnect was for them, was once they got franchisees that were involved in more complex scenarios, they weren't able to support them in the way that we needed.
1: Okay. But then my question. So, yeah, but you didn't know what to ask and, and what to look for when you were doing the due diligence, because you, this was new thing for you. You had a little bit of background, but not so much. Um, so it, it was, I guess, quite new, the whole process to you. Um, yeah, this can be a valuable lesson maybe for our listeners if if they want to start their business uh, by obtaining a franchise, uh, that they really need to do uh, a very deep due diligence and uh, maybe spend a bit more time, especially if they're in an industry where it's like health connected or or maybe food or something like that where you have lots of paperwork and standards and this and that um, before they jump in. Because I mean, it seems to me that um, they were like really reinventing their whole franchisee thing alongside with you. And uh, because of that, everything took way longer than what you expected.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, in hindsight is 2020, right? But if I could go back and do that due diligence piece over again, I think it was important to meet with the corporate team, but they were a sales team, right? So really what I would have done, I would do differently now is actually go to a location and spend time with an owner and spend time in the field and actually see what's what's happening with boots on the ground, right? Because that I think tells you so much
1: more of the story. Okay, that's a very solid advice. Yes, very solid advice. Okay, so um, if we fast forward a little bit uh, when, you know, this early stage hiccups were uh, polished and the company started growing, what were some of the successes but also some of the challenges along that journey? I think
0: I'll start with a challenges first the the biggest challenge was training oversight and hiring three i mean those were my three biggest challenges and because you've got so much turnover it you just you never know in an industry like in home care how an employee is going to do until they actually start to work for you and i would always share with my clients that you know it's such a such a different way of running a business because it's not like I have employees in my office. I did have a team in the office but it's not like the caregivers in the office and I see them all the time and I can coach them and work with them. They're out in the field all over the place and so trying to manage them and teach them and nurture them along the way was really difficult and they're you know they're just a different breed of cat if you will. I think it takes a special person to be a caregiver. But then they also have, they also kind of come with the resistance or that they're nervous about things or they don't want to drive. They have these little nuances that make it tough for, for someone to manage them and to teach them. So that was always really challenging. And we would go through a multi-step hiring process. My thought process was, I want to see how these people interact with my team in the office. I want to see how they interact with one another in a training environment. I want to see them in the hallway because if they're acting inappropriately in a training environment, what are they going to do at a client's home when they're unsupervised? So we spend a lot of time trying to observe them and interact with them before they ever go into the field.
1: So and it was quite a substantial investment yeah. of resources from your end without even knowing whether that person will turn out to go into the field. Sometimes maybe um, at the end of the process, before they would actually have to go to the field, something happened and you had to let them go.
0: Right. or they they're in the middle of a hiring process. And this just always blew my mind. It's like, they've spent all this time and energy in training with us and doing, you know, everything we've asked them to do. And we give them, you know, assign them a client, introduce them to the client. And then the next day they just don't show up. They don't call. Oh. They don't show up. They just, they're I
1: <laughs> um,
0: did... Amazing. <laughs>
1: Did you have any support about this whole process from um, either from the franchise owner or from maybe other franchisees that, that uh, I'm, 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 like, I'm guessing you were not the only one dealing with this and maybe um, others have found uh, ways to overcome at least some of the struggles that you were struggling with or uh, were you just dealing with that on your own or did you hire any outside help to help you with the whole hiring process?
0: You know, I did not. And we, we were all dealing, we all deal with this struggle. And in fact, today they still deal with that same struggle. It's, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I wish I did. Um, but it's just one of those scenarios where this is kind you have to factor that into your hiring process. Like, you know, you have to make, and same thing with the interview piece, you know, you get on the phone and I would do this myself, just interview people, cold call them, get them, try to get them in so that I can meet them and see them. And if I had 10 people scheduled, two to three would show up, even when oh. you went through reminder processes. And, you know, we did, we hired a couple outside um, folks to help us with, like Indeed, for example, Indeed has a, a program where you can remind caregivers, you can sort through their qualifications, you can send them emails, you know, you can just, you continually touch them before they get to you, but the, the metrics didn't change much. So it just, okay. I think it's just, one of those things that's kind of the nature of the industry, unfortunately.
1: Okay. Okay. No, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just asking. So you were in touch with others from the industry and it was more or less same thing everywhere
0: yeah and we we had um strategic groups that we formed so we had you know a group of owners that would focus on customer retention we had a group of owners that would focus on um, benefits a group of owners that would focus on caregiver hiring so as we as together we would decide okay this is a gap for us or a problem and then we would form these kind of subcommittees so that we could communicate with one another and then come together once a year and um and really kind of try to flush things out
1: okay okay um so how long were you running that business
0: 11 years
1: oh that's that's a long time (laughs) Uh, well i mean uh, i asked <laughs> I asked you about the wins as well uh, i like uh um, I'm sure there were wins uh on this journey there were and
0: so when I first started i was still my mom was still alive her mom was still alive, and um I just didn't realize it until years later that I wasn't a hundred percent all in because I was a caregiver myself and it actually took one of my coworkers to point that out to me. Um, So about five years into the business, I had finally just sort of cleared my mind of um, my personal situation and was able to really focus on it. And the business doubled. We were the fastest growing franchise in the country that year. So that was exciting, but it was also really rewarding to see, just see the results of the work, right? to see people that, we had one lady who, um, she was living with dementia and the caregiver that, one of the caregivers that was working with her, we were there 24 hours a day and I walked in one day and um, she lived in this big, beautiful house and they had the stereo going and they were dancing in the living room. And the um, lady who was living with dementia was just, she was, she had so much joy in her heart and it just made me feel like, okay, I've done my job. <laughs> you know? She had, she'd been through a lot. She'd been in a facility and actually left the facility with against orders. She just wanted to go home and she had the, the financial wherewithal to pay for care at home. So bringing her that peace of mind, the ability to be home and joy and happiness, you know, those are the kinds of things that would really make a difference. Or, you know, just seeing a caregiver who who is able to connect with a client in a way that you just didn't think was possible, or a family just didn't think that was possible. Many times families kind of, and i I've, I did this myself, families will have preconceived notions of, you know, my mom was a teacher, so she was an educator, and I really need a caregiver who can, you know, is on the same wavelength as her. And I'm like, well, it's probably not going to happen. But... Let's try to figure out, you know, your mom's the same. Maybe she's a little different now. Maybe that's not what's so important. So trying to navigate all that and build the bridges and the solutions for people to keep them home and keep them home safely. I think those are the biggest wins.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, this 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 was really beautiful um, how, you know, a caregiver was able to change, uh, that person's life and 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 influence it in such a huge way uh, that, that's truly amazing, really. Um,
0: we just don't think of the third portion of people's lives that much, right? I mean, no one really teaches people how to do this, and a lot of families don't talk about it, and so when it happens, they're just blindsided.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I guess it's it's hard, and uh, I guess usually children are in the middle of their um, best time for career and so on and uh, uh, all the pressure and like like nowadays uh, when nine to five is like literally you wake up till you drop to bed and and in between you take care of your children a little bit. Uh, People are bringing work home and uh, even if they don't, their head is so full of things that are going on at the work and, and so on. And uh, I guess we get distracted from everything. And uh, um, I I don't know, I, I guess, I don't know, many decades ago, um, life was much simpler and, mm-hmm. and much slower. And now in this fast paced life and everything and um, I, I mean, not just with, with our parents, but I see that with, with people like in general, like we, we have so many things that could be on our priority list uh, that it's, it's impossible to tend to all those priorities. Like everything seems so important. Everything seems urgent. Everything needs to be taken care of now. And it's so easy to just switch on the autopilot and yeah, then you don't see What's happening around you? And like, for example, here in Europe, I guess this is a little bit different because usually uh, children don't live that far away from parents. I guess in the US and Canada, it's a little bit different where children might live in one state and then parents in a different state, which is from what I understand quite common in the US. So then the distance is there and and so on, and uh, um, maybe that all adds up little by little, uh, and and we just wait until uh, we uh, like until something goes to the point of this uh, whole hell will break loose if we don't attend it right now, and and then we deal with stuff. Not not just when it comes to parents and and so on, but like I mean, I think literally with everything. Um I see so many people who go from fire to fire to fire to fire um they 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 don't make sure that fires don't happen because they 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 have too much on the plate and they are just running around chasing fire after fire, and basically then um everything else needs to wait yep,
0: so true, so true, and you know at when I ran my home care business, people would usually call, they call for two reasons. They were thinking about, well, you know, the day that mom and dad might need some help, or they were in the middle of the all hell's breaking loose. My dad's in the hospital. He had a heart attack. My mom doesn't drive. We, I don't know what we're going to do. We need help.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I see that, uh, very often. Yeah. So, okay. Um, there were some wins and I, I can totally understand how that must have felt really nice when you saw that lady with dementia dancing with that caregiver and so on. So I guess those are the moments that make you at least for a few moments forget all the struggles and everything that you went through uh, along the journey, just to see those uh, happy moments every now and then, but um life not, is not about just a few happy moments here and there. Um, So when did you decide that it might be time for you to turn another blank leaf in in the book of life and maybe go on a new path?
0: Well, I I guess I just started feeling like I was, you know, uh, like I was an HR professional. Like I just was a, you know, I needed to make sure I was following the rules. I needed to make sure I was doing this right. And that, right. I was just a box checker and the time spent with clients or the time, you know, knowing a client as well as I knew Pat, the lady who was dancing, you know, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that was becoming more and more limited. And I was just behind a desk, pushing paper, answering the phone, trying to make sure that the business was on the straight and narrow. And that's when but, I thought, no, I don't want to do this anymore.
1: Kelly, did it? Did you at any time consider to maybe hire a professional CEO and COO? Um,
0: I, did. And just, I
1: did. Okay.
0: I did. I, I actually, I talked to a headhunter and um, I had a person in my office who <clears throat> who was capable of that, but unfortunately capable and willing and able are different things and I was nervous about putting um, the responsibility of all of that into another person. I was I was just nervous about walking away from it because like I said earlier I think at the end of the day I knew my neck was on the line and we talked about this earlier but I had a scenario um, where I was fined $35,000 for a payroll error and I just didn't want to go through that again and i know that in order to grow and build and expand i needed to probably take that step but i guess i just wasn't willing to do it
1: okay i mean um yeah one thing that i see in what you're explaining is something that i see often with my clients actually who reach that you know seven figures um 20 30 40 employees and and so on but they find themselves like trapped within their own business on one hand they they aren't doing what they started the business for in the first place so things that they're truly passionate about and now they have to deal with being the CEO and, and like, for example, you, the chief HR person or, or or all the sales is on them or marketing. So all the stuff that, that that's really not something that they're passionate about. But what intrigues me, I mean, I, mean, I understand for them, the thing, usually the problem is that they, they don't have the right system in place that they can really trust and this is where I jump in and I help them create a system that they can trust and then with just a few minutes every day looking at a few dashboards uh, they can still be in control know that the company is running the way it should be without them being too much involved and then they can actually migrate into being the business owner and not being involved in the business and you know creating the freedom for themselves. What Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit shocked here is that, you know, you purchased a franchise and and you were probably paying an annual fee and, and and so on and all the things that come with being a franchise owner and they didn't provide you with that. That, that's what like, you know, when when you go for a McDonald's or big, not a, a Burger King or any of those uh, fast foods, uh, or, or you know, some bigger f- uh, franchises, they really have a system in place where, you know, you can be the business owner. You know, have a system, a system that you can trust, a system that is very, very predictable. You almost know down to, like, down to one single French fries how much you're going to do in a in a this day, that day, if it's a holiday, if it's Monday during summer or during winter and so on. And, and what, like, I mean, you had this business for 11 years. Okay. I get it. In the beginning, they were young and they were still developing the system, but how do others, I mean, otherwise these guys are just selling a franchise that turns into your Worst nightmare.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, they have business consultants, but it just, I never felt, I mean, that, that was a gap for me. I didn't feel supported in, in enough in that way. I didn't feel like I had somebody who was, because just like what you're describing, that's exactly what I needed. I needed somebody to hold me accountable. I needed somebody to say, look at it this way, <laughs> plug the numbers in, you know, this is what, these are our forecasts. This is what we need to do. I just, I didn't get that from them. So, I mean, having somebody like you during that time would have been a godsend for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, well, you know, um, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I can always help everybody and so on. But so far, you know, I was quite successful with my other clients with, in creating those systems that the owners can trust. Because at the end of the day, if you rely on on a person with a name and a surname, you don't have the freedom because you're hostage of that person. Whether that's your, you know, salesperson or HR person or even a CEO, uh, it's only the system that enables you to to really have the freedom. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just impossible to understand how they can go and and sell franchise without having a validated, proven, predictable system behind it. Because that's the whole point of buying a franchise. Otherwise, you know, like you can just start it on your own. I mean, from what you're saying, it it sounds almost like that. Maybe they added, I don't know, 10, 20% instead of adding 80, 90, and you just polishing up the last 10.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there's personal responsibility there also because, I think in anything, if you just kind of sit back and you don't push for what you need, you don't always get what you need, right?
1: No, no, I get it. And I mean, I, mean, I would say that your personal responsibility here is not so much about this. It's, it's more about you doing the proper due diligence in the beginning to start with. Um, so that, that would be something that I would say was your responsibility to actually uh, start working with them. But you know, like selling something because um you know there are plenty of different business models that we can use when we are starting a business uh operating a franchise is is one of them, and uh it, it you know it, and it's it's exactly that predictability and systems in place and all of that why you would buy that otherwise you know you you, you just create your own business. So, I mean, that's the whole point of that business model. And uh, yeah, it, it seems like they really didn't do a good job. Uh, uh, of course, you can't take away the personal responsibility. You decided for them, you started working with them and so on, whatever your reasons were. I mean, you explained them in the beginning, uh, whether that's valid, invalid, like we are not debating that. So yes, personal responsibility, but on the other hand, uh, um, I mean, yeah, this this really doesn't sound like a company that should be selling a franchise business um, in in this kind of way. But okay, I mean, it's not up to you and me, you are out now. um, So uh, I'm guessing you don't care about that anymore. (laughs) Uh, So once you made the decision, that you want out how was that process was it quick or um how did that process go of you uh sell so did you just sell the franchise or did you sell the whole business
0: no I sold the whole business okay and once I made the decision to do that I mean you know it's it's hard it's hard it's hard to stay focused it's like I just was looking at the door going, all right, what do I need to do to get myself, back myself out of this? Um, so I worked with a business broker and he was really good. He gave me a lot of guidance in terms of this is the information you need to gather. I mean, down to identifying how many pencils are in the desk, right? Because you're selling, I, I sold everything, all the furniture, all the stuff. Um, so I did a lot of homework preparation for probably four months and um, then the corporate team identified potential buyers. And then I interviewed those buyers and um, found someone who I thought was a good, was going to be a good fit. And we kind of, we came to an agreement, we transferred everything. And it was really, it wasn't, it was pretty quick. It was after the fact when, you know, I kind of knew he was going to be coming in, there was just a lot of hand holding and training and the franchise wants the owner who's selling to actually, you know, exit as soon as possible, just because it's, it's too difficult. You know, you have a staff that's already there and they want to come to me instead of going to the new person. It doesn't allow the new owner to take on that role, that leadership role and start to kind of figure things out for themselves. Cause at a certain point it's like, you got to figure this out, you know? Um, yeah. So it was, it was probably six months.
1: Okay and uh were you happy with uh how the process went and and with the end outcome
0: um yeah i mean i think the transfer was pretty easy and i i just i made the personal commitment that i wanted to support them because i you know i'd worked there for 11 years i wanted to make sure that they could continue to move forward and be successful so there were some hurdles in that process but i just said to them you know you're welcome to call me. I'm happy to help and support you in any way I can. Um, I haven't heard from them for probably six months. So I think they're, you know, they're kind of home free now, but okay. I want, you no, know, I just didn't, I don't, I said to the new owner, I said, I'm, I'm not going to drop you on your head. Cause I understand that there's a lot of moving parts and pieces here. And especially in healthcare, you know, I just, I wanted the clients to be okay. I wanted the employees to be okay. So Um, I just made the, the personal commitment that I would provide them the time that was needed so that they could, they would be able to set themselves up for success.
1: Okay. Um, and are you still in touch with them? Are they doing okay now?
0: Yeah, they're doing fine.
1: Okay. Um, They're doing
0: fabulous, but they're doing fine.
1: Okay. And are they still struggling with the same struggles when it comes to HR?
0: Um, I don't know, but I would guess that they are because it's common in the industry.
1: Okay, 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 cool. Um, Okay, and now we come to you exiting your business. Did you take any time off or did you jump straight into the new role as an entrepreneur?
0: I did not take any time off. (laughs) That was probably a mistake. (laughs) Okay. Um, But Um, as I... And I was actually, I wrote a book during the last year I was um, at the franchise. So I'd been working on that. And the writing of the book, it was, it's called Always Her Daughter. It was written in honor of my mom. And that was sort of a healing process and really just gave me some direction on where I wanted to go in terms of serving people. So like I said earlier, I think, you know, there, there's so Families need so much more than in-home care. I mean, there's conversations, there's resources, there's all kinds of things that happen along this path of aging. So I had formed the Devoted Daughter, and my idea was how do I get the message out there sooner rather than later? Because as I as I said earlier also, people just wait too long to get help, and then they're in trouble. and You know, this is starting to affect companies, too. It's starting to affect the workforce. 80% of people say that caregiving causes them to be distracted at work, and employers only think it's 24% of the time. So there's a big gap there. A third of those people, those employees, are affected. The caregiving portion is elder care. So it's a pretty big chunk of people, and I wanted to be able to reach those folks on a more general level and give them the resources and start to create awareness around this so that they have the tools that they need to be able to support their families.
1: Well, um, doing a podcast like this is for sure one way of bringing awareness. So, um, you know, I'm guessing that most of our listeners, uh, they might still have their parents alive and it wouldn't hurt, uh, like what's the biggest message or what 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 it is that you want to educate like for example my mom i mean she she's you know 66 now so um but in a few years time i guess you know it will be doctors and hospitals and all of that so um we all can hear what you have to say so what 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 would you say is that biggest message or something that listeners can take away from this to be more educated and more prepared going forward.
0: Well, I think you just kind of hit on it. It's like you said, well, in a few years time, it will be this and this and this, but if you don't talk to her about that now, when she's in her right mind where you can really understand what her wishes are, what does she want? What is, what is she hoping for her future? What are her plans? And That's where families just miss the boat. And then when they wait and there's a problem, and as we chatted about earlier, people are busy or they have a million things on their plate and they come rushing in. It's like, okay, it's time for you guys to move. You just can't stay here anymore. This isn't working. And it's like, whoa, 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 back up. So really starting to pay attention to what's needed. I mean, even the, down to the simplest thing, like a power of attorney document. Do people know the difference between power of attorney and durable power of attorney? And why is that important? And should I, are my parents even open to this kind of conversation?
1: Kevin, so do, um, do you have any resources on, on your new website for which of course, all the links and, and all your links will be in the show notes. Uh, so people can reach out to you. But for example, on your website, do you have like a, I don't know, like a guide, a step-by-step guide, you know, like, um, it, like let's say, like, take me for example. So, you know, like somebody who would tell me Nika um, you need to have a conversation with your mom. These are the things that you should be talking with her. And then I don't know uh, when you, when she starts feeling like this and this and this, that's the time when you need to think about this. So, something, a guide that will prepare me beforehand and guide me, handhold me through all the steps that I need to do.
0: So, we have, um, there are a lot of links on the website, there's um, blog posts and information. We also, I also put together a digital course, and it's called The Playbook for Aging Parents, and it's divided up in sections so that people can consume the information that they wanna hear about. So there's everything from how to have that conversation with your parents, to talking about driving, to legal matters, to um, insurance, managing medications, how do you do that, what happens during a hospital stay. So there's a lot of information contained in that digital course, which I think could be invaluable for your listeners. And also the book, Always Her Daughter, has a lot of info in there too. It okay. refers back to the website, but there's there's a lot of information in there.
1: Okay, okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, just you being on a podcast like this, um, there's an audience. Uh, many people among that audience, I'm sure, still have parents alive and so on, and, and maybe other relatives that they want to help and take care of and, um, or uh be involved and uh yeah spreading the message in in this way is for sure something that that goes along the way with you bringing awareness of this matter
0: yeah i mean it it could even be a spouse right a lot of times yeah it's someone's spouse and they're like wow i didn't realize i was going to be in this position
1: so kelly i honestly like this conversation was At least for me it was like super super interesting. And I wasn't really mindful about the time and and we're closing on already one hour, which is which is a bit more than our usual podcast episodes are. I'll probably just have to invite you again and and we'll continue with you being the entrepreneur because we only covered like your transition from corporate into the franchise and then all the things I mean it was eleven years of owning that franchise so Of course, one hour uh, uh, can quickly go by, but uh, um, yeah, I do wanna dive into that entrepreneurial part. And and, um, because, you know, most of these listeners of this podcast are entrepreneurs, early stage entrepreneurs, and all the struggles and all the wins, they all carry lessons. And it's so nice when somebody is open to share those lessons um, because we can learn from them and we don't have to go through the same uh struggles or we can repeat the good stuff and we can achieve the same wins so uh but we'll have to wrap this one up um Kelly is is there any i don't know lost message uh or something um you know in a few minutes that you really feel um that we need to get out and in, 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 uh, in front of the audience
0: i think you know we've i've said this continually through through the interview but just get started today. Start now. (laughs) Don't wait. Don't wait until the phone rings in the middle of the night and it's an emergency. Get prepared now.
1: Okay. And then when we need to, when, because you know, when you tell me get prepared, I'm like, okay, I understand, but what do I have to do? So yeah, it's good to know that on your website and in your book, I can find some guidance. Okay. I am in Europe. So I'm guessing certain things, might be different uh, than in the US, but, but I guess majority of the things is, is uh, more or less the same. I mean, the conversations are the same. Maybe it's different thing when it comes to uh, attorneys and, and notaries and so on, because uh, maybe we have different documents, uh, but uh, yeah, we still need to do the conversations and so on. That's, that, that's universal, that's worldwide.
0: Yeah, and just go to the devoteddaughter.com. All the information that you need is there. You can click on links, read blog posts. It'll direct you to socials. It'll take you to the Playbook for Aging Parents. So there are a lot of resources right there at your fingertips.
1: Perfect, perfect. And like I said, we will link up all your um, um, social media links, website links, and so on in the show notes. So um, listeners, uh, if you want to reach out or get in touch with Kelly or just visit her website and, and, and start digesting those resources, uh, just scroll to the show notes and you can click it to click on the links below. Um, Kelly, it was wonderful having you as my guest. It really was. I, I can't remember, and I had quite a lot of guests, but I really can't remember a single time where I was, when, when time flew so fast. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, yeah. Usually, you know, like I have that a little bit of structure. Okay, you know, we still have fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. So let's let's start going into that direction. But here, like, I was just right now. I looked at the watch and I was like, oh my god! Like it's already an hour. So um, yeah, it was <laughs> well, a huge pleasure having, having you. Yeah, thank you yeah, so much. Thank you for sharing all the all the knowledge. Uh, and the, well, especially the experience, um, and, uh, I really appreciate you for what you do. Uh, I really do. Um, I'm not just saying that I really do. Um, I, I went through a lot of the f- things that you are mentioning with my father, my grandparents and so on. And, uh, I know how it was, uh. And with help of, I mean, I've learned a lot of those lessons uh, that you are sharing throughout that experience. So um, I already had, I think, majority of the talks with my mom and so on. So um, I'm, I'm a little bit ahead in that direction. But um, boy, how much it would make my life easier a few years ago when I was going through those uh, lessons to have somebody like you alongside of me. Um, or your book or or your resources. So I really, really, really appreciate you for what you're doing. And uh, this is really something that's very needed. Um, Unfortunately, it is what it is. Um, The time is spinning faster um, and people are uh, overwhelmed by everything. Um, and sometimes, yes, it's, it's our parents who gave gave us everything. They gave us life. They gave us um, education and and uh, youth and and everything um, that end up in not so favorable position where no parent should ever be. Um, but yeah, so I really really appreciate you for what all your work and and how you bring awareness to this very important topic.
0: Well, thank you so much. Thanks again for Uh, having
1: me. Take care, Kelly, and, and all the best on your journey.
0: Okay. All right. Talk to you soon.